0: Concerned citizen is crunching the numbers on birth tourism.
1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Many Metro Vancouver drivers are happy to get a bit of a break at the pump this weekend. The price of gas falling in the last few days to lows we haven't seen for quite a while. But that's only angered many in Squamish who protested today because they continue to pay more for gas compared to motorists in the lower mainland. Grace Key has
2: our top story. Tired of higher gas prices, Squamish residents hit the streets in protest. They want to know why gas prices are higher in their community compared with other municipalities.
3: If we go up to Pemberton, the gas is always cheaper. If we go up to Lillooet, you know, these places are even farther away, but somehow their gas is cheaper.
4: We're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. I don't understand if we don't have a transit tax for the Sea to Sky Corridor, what's
0: driving these insane gas price hikes.
2: Gas prices at Squamish were sitting at about $1.44 a litre. GasBuddy.com showed prices around the region well below that. And finding answers into the region's gas prices isn't easy. In August, a public inquiry found an unexplained difference of about $0.13 cents a litre in gas prices between southern B.C. and other parts of the Pacific Northwest.
5: If there is an explanation and it, can, it could be brought forward, then it would no longer be an unexplained difference.
2: There are now reports the B.C. government is drafting a bill that could force gas supply companies to hand over data on how prices are set. Jobs, Trade and Technology Minister Bruce Ralston commenting people feel like they're being ripped off at the pump. Drivers in B.C. deserve some transparency and fairness when it comes to gas prices.
4: Maybe if more people speak out about it or are aware of it, maybe somebody will come forward with an explanation. If we can get an explanation, then maybe you can get to the root of the problem. I wanted to bring some shame on
2: the, the companies. Um, yeah, basically, I just want them to smarten up and start gouging us. With more and more drivers frustrated with gas prices, we could start seeing more protests at the pumps and demands for answers. Grace Key, Global News. On the Sunshine Coast, Powell River
0: residents are fuming over their gas prices, which went up after Metro Vancouver pump prices dropped. And they don't even have the added taxes as a factor. Since May, drivers in Powell River have been paying $1.599 for a liter of regular. Yesterday, prices jumped to $1.62, with at least one station selling gas for nearly $1.73 a liter. The city's mayor owns a gas station. He blames oil companies, who he says can get away with whatever the market will Bear and Powell River is isolated with little to no competition.
1: I mean, I can understand making a bit of a profit, but geez, you don't have to, you know, gouge us as bad as they are right now. It's very frustrating. I mean, people here in town—it's the only option they've got—is they have to buy it here.
3: It's a terrible thing. Um, I am almost positive that uh, oil companies work closely together, um, you know, and uh, and keep prices high where they can. The fr- You know, frustrating that we're held ransom as a community and as a mayor, um, frustrated that our people are having to endure these high costs of fuel. And it's not just now. It's always been like this. But, yeah, it's frustrating. It's terrible. We're, you know, we're not treated fairly.
0: A man was shot in Surrey today in broad daylight. Police taped off a parking lot at 132nd and 140th Avenue in Guilford this afternoon. Witnesses heard at least one gunshot just before noon, and a man was later found with a gunshot wound. He's expected to recover from his injuries. So far, there's no word on what sparked the shooting, but RCMP say the attack appears to be targeted. A startling sight in the waters off Quadra Island today. A barge being towed by a tugboat ran aground late last night near the ferry terminal. Kristen Robinson has more on what went wrong and the efforts to get both vessels
4: refloated. Two divers. As a crowd watches from shore, divers inspect the damaged hull of a container barge stuck off Quadra Island. Coast Guard crews monitoring a tug's efforts to refloat the Nana provider after it ran aground Saturday night.
3: We came down to see this barge on the rocks and we're, it was pretty shallow at that point.
4: Witnesses say the U.S. tugboat towing it appeared to lose control before the Alaska Marine Lines barge ran into the beach.
5: We've seen a tugboat coming quite close to the shoreline over here and uh, then like maybe two to three minutes later you hear this huge thunderish noise coming through. Looked out the window and noticed that uh, the huge barge behind us there was beached.
4: Six people on board the tug escaped unhurt. After the impact, explosion-like sounds could be heard from the barge, which is carrying rail cars and containers on its deck.
3: We were listening to the, it banging inside. I imagine there's beams breaking with the weight. It was pretty, pretty impressive sound, loud like a 12-gauge.
4: Despite an all-out effort at high tide, the grounded barge not going anywhere.
1: It looks pretty hard on the rock. It's a big uh, big reef that sticks out about 70 to 80 feet there. It's surprising to
6: see them He is so close to the beach here. I mean sometimes there's dangerous cargo and so I mean we wouldn't want to see a, uh, anything spilt here or possibly a gas
7: leak or something like that.
4: The Coast Guard says so far there's no sign of any pollution. Transport Canada is overseeing salvage plans and attempts to move the barge will continue Monday. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
0: A road in northwestern B.C. closed by a rock and mudslide last week was temporarily reopened for a couple of hours today, but only for those in the Telegraph Creek and Dees Lake areas who have big trucks. Highway 51, also known as Telegraph Creek Road, has been closed since Tuesday when a slide came down about 19 kilometers east of Telegraph Creek. Crews have been working to remove the debris, but were only able to reopen the route for two hours this afternoon for those with 4x4 pickups, and no one was hurt by the slide. Another e-scooter company is launching in Kelowna into what's becoming a crowded market for something that's not even allowed on the roads yet. Jules Knox looks at why the company is launching this close to winter and how possible changes to the rules of the road could affect their business.
8: Another e-scooter company is rolling out in Kelowna, a bright yellow fleet ready to zip around. Users can unlock a scooter by downloading an app and then first-time riders are capped at 20 kilometres an hour. Return riders can speed up to 24 kilometres an hour. But the market is starting to get crowded. This is the city's fourth e-scooter business. The company launching as we head into winter because they just weren't ready to roll earlier.
6: Our scooters are suitable for winter
8: conditions. Uh, However, when there's uh, snow on the ground or ice, uh, we're not going to operate due to safety concerns. E-scooters are currently restricted to certain areas, including the waterfront walkway and the rail trail but there have been a number of complaints about them, particularly in high pedestrian areas. Council is considering putting the brakes on these devices, at least on the boardwalk, asking staff to report back on restricting e-scooters on the waterfront walkway.
6: That's gonna be the situation that we don't want to see, but we also hope that, you know, we can have the uh, regulation changes so we can operate in the city.
8: E-scooters are not currently allowed on the roads, but the province recently passed legislation that will allow the city to test the use of these scooters on the street. And Cal says there's a big demand for that.
6: When I'm talking to the customer, they're saying that I want to go to work, I want to go to grab my lunch during the rush hour. If I can have that in the city, that would be great. And that's where we can really serve our customers.
8: According to a council report, there were more than 20,000 e-scooter rides over the last three months. Most people went about three kilometres and spent an average of 22 minutes on the scooter. The city recognizes that these devices could be a convenient transportation solution and says it's working with the Transportation Ministry to develop a pilot program that would allow e-scooters on the street. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna.
0: We've heard a lot of rhetoric surrounding the issue of birth tourism in B.C. That's when pregnant women travel to a foreign country that guarantees citizenship to babies born in the country like Canada does. Well, now a Metro Vancouver accountant claims to have looked at how much money the controversial practice brings into Canada. And as Paul Johnson reports, it's a lot more than you'd think.
5: It's not hard to find ads for birth tourism businesses in the Vancouver area. They make their services pretty clear, as well as the location where it allegedly happens. A website called Canada Baby listed the address for this house in Richmond. And while the woman who answered the door said she didn't know anything about it, neighbors told a different story. Lots of very pregnant women from China seen staying here, then disappearing after they've given birth.
7: It came to my attention that there's sort of this backdoor route to get into Canada.
5: David Chen is one of the newer voices calling for government to get serious about cracking down on birth tourism. He's been a housing activist and a candidate for mayor in Vancouver. But it's his background as an accountant that's important here.
7: We have contacts with a variety of hospitals, and they're telling us the same suspects are popping up. They're paying with cash.
5: These things have been happening for the better part of a decade. Here's Chen speaking up at a recent forum held by the Cullen Commission, which is exploring money laundering in B.C. Well, stories of people funneling cash through casinos have grabbed most of the attention. Chen says the work he and his group have done shows the financial scope of birth tourism is much bigger than you might think and is growing.
7: So we've estimated it can be as high as $450 million nationwide. And that's not including Quebec numbers because we couldn't access those
6: that birth data.
5: Though unverifiable and unofficial, Chen's estimate of the annual value of the birth tourism industry appears to be the first attempt by anybody to quantify it.
7: We're the ones that are paying the price for the weak spots in the system that allows this money to enter and to do the damage
5: it does. Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: A heads up for anyone planning to take transit to attend Remembrance Day services. The ongoing Metro Vancouver transit workers' strike means more sea bus cancellations tomorrow. TransLink says 14 sailings have been dropped due to the overtime ban. A full-scale walkout is not expected anytime soon, but the union has said it could increase its job action later in the week. And they're promising to give us at least 24 hours notice. Tens of thousands of poppies were dropped over England today. The poppies falling over the town of Dover. A vintage Second World War plane dropped them over the Battle of Britain memorial next to those famous white cliffs. In London, members of the royal family paid tribute to veterans today. The Queen, the Duchess of Cornwall and the Duchess of Cambridge watched Britain's Remembrance Sunday service together from a balcony. The ceremony is held every year to honour those killed in the First World War and subsequent conflicts. Other dignitaries, including Britain's minister, laid wreaths at the country's main war memorial, with military veterans and the public also in attendance. Remembrance Day services will be held across the country tomorrow to reflect on honour those who fought for our freedoms. Last night, we showed you how the lawn of Vancouver City Hall has been transformed by poppy art. Well, today, the grounds of Toronto Sunnybrook Hospital were transformed into a patriotic sea of red.
6: How many flags do you plan to plant today?
4: Um,
6: all these and all those. <laughs> 47,000 Canadian flags raised around the Sunnybrook Veterans Centre. The effort by more than 500 volunteers aims to honour the over 400 veteran residents who can wake up on Remembrance Day knowing their sacrifice is recognised. 99-year-old Albert Wallace is one of those residents.
5: Two years behind barbed wire, different camps all over Germany.
6: The Second World War pilot took part in 15 bombing missions before spending two years as a prisoner of war.
5: I'm very fortunate, and, uh, and, and so are many millions of other people. Soldiers that were over there got back. Some, of course, injured very badly.
6: A few seats down, fellow veteran Gertrude Bahariel sees hope in the volunteers.
7: I see the young people here today, all these young children. We're in pretty good shape.
6: Operation Flag Grace has become a remembered state tradition now in its ninth year.
4: They look forward to this day with such anticipation and they describe it as the, the sea of, of patriotic red and white.
3: We couldn't be prouder to be here to... Uh, help out and uh, do something special for them, considering uh, all
6: they've done for us. The Jarvis family planting flags in honor of their grandmother and great-grandmother. It's respect for my Nana, Mary, for how what she went through, her sacrifice and all that stuff. And one like hour out of my day for this is just amazing. The Spacey family out to show appreciation for veterans.
3: It feels kind of good to help appreciate the people who served our country.
6: Back inside, Albert Wallace already feels the impact of the flags.
5: I want to thank uh, everyone for raising a flag and keeping us strong and
6: free. Albert Della Tala Global News. Mm.
0: We will of course have special live coverage of the Remembrance Day ceremony at Victory Square in Vancouver. Join Chris Gales from 10:30 to 11:30 tomorrow morning or you can catch it on our live stream globalnews.ca/bc. A piece of Canadian military history arrived in BC today. The last known Centurion tank in Canada to be on the front lines during the Korean War rolled into Surrey after a long journey from Nova Scotia. A retired army major who runs an armed forces museum in Aldergrove reached out to CN for help. The Centurion began its cross-country move on October 30th from Dartmouth. After being lifted from the train, the tank will make its way to Langley for the Aldergrove Remembrance Day ceremony tomorrow before ending up in the local museum.
3: It took two years of um, actively trying to get the job done until Bob Long on our township council and the uh, Korean community and CN came together, joined hands, and uh, here we are
7: today, Canadian history Preserve. It's come back to its forever home.
0: Well, call it art with moving parts. A lot of time and skill goes into building model trains, and this weekend, dozens were on display in Vancouver. The two-day event at the PNE showcased miniature trains from about 60 exhibitors from Canada and the United States. Some have built entire cities around their track displays. Kids and big kids were able to drive the mini locomotives and shop for collectibles. Organizers say it's a timeless hobby and one they hope remains popular with the next generation.
5: We're trying to pass that on and to encourage
3: young people to take it up because in this there are a lot of things that you can learn. Each one of these uh, locomotives has a computer chip in it, a microprocessor. So if I was a young guy again, I would be trying to learn how this worked. I think I wouldn't be too concerned about playing games on my cell phone, but I would really want to know how all this stuff works.
0: As Canadians prepare to honour our war veterans and remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, a Canadian institution, Hockey Night in Canada, is embroiled in a controversy. It stems from comments by sports host Don Cherry, whose tirade over wearing poppies is striking many as racist. As Sean O'Shea reports, the backlash has some calling for his job.
1: In the month when Canadians especially remember those who served and who fought in wars... A controversy over whether wearing a poppy means you're patriotic. I don't see how he could possibly come to such a conclusion. Very few people wear uh, a poppy. Hockey commentator Don Cherry courted controversy during his Coach's Corner segment Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada over this you people love you, you they come here whatever it is you love our way of life you love our milk and honey at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that appearing to blame immigrants for not appreciating canada's veterans
5: i think it's inflammatory and
0: unnecessary and untrue
1: the comments drew an immediate reaction to pin it all on the minorities and the new immigrants i think that's uh, Uh, I thought it was outrageous, actually. Some recent immigrants, like the owner of this Turkish restaurant, agree. He's the wrong. What he
5: says, he's the wrong. Not right. I felt they were offensive. I felt
1: that he was targeting not only immigrants, but especially immigrants of color. Cherry has frequently been in trouble over his choice of words. I mean, what do you eat seal? I mean, come on, what are you, savage, a barbarian? The president of Sportsnet, Cherry's employer, called these most recent words discriminatory and offensive and do not represent the network's values. A statement said Cherry has been spoken to about the severity of the issue. But not everyone's outraged.
5: I believe in the man. I believe that he is not a racist and he's not uh, anti-immigrant.
1: The statistics on whether poppy use is down or not this Remembrance Day are not available yet. On a Sunday in Toronto, the majority of those walking the street didn't wear one. Harpreet Sandy, holding a picture of his grandfather who served, says that's okay.
5: We appreciate the service uh, that he did and uh, we don't wear a poppy every year.
1: He never wore a poppy.
5: I think what he was trying to do is bring us together under the banner of respect, for people who gave their lives in Canada, uh, for Canada, I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
1: But the mayor of Mississauga, the city where Cherry lives, used hockey terminology to call out the host.
0: Mr. Cherry, you were offside in those comments. We are very unfortunate and we're calling icing on this one.
1: And good Canadians that bought a poppy. I'm still the Royal Canadian Legion called Cherry a strong supporter of the poppy campaign, saying it remains appreciative for what he's done, even if many think Cherry has gone too far. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto.
7: Uh, We know diversity is the strength of the country. Uh, We see it in the travels with our show and with Hockey Night in Canada. So I owe you an apology, too. That's the big thing that I want to emphasize. I sat there, uh, did not catch it, did not respond.
0: Cherry's co-host, Ron McClain, apologizing today on the program Hometown Hockey. McClain also issued a lengthy apology on Twitter, where he has received a number of messages calling him out for not disagreeing with Cherry at the time. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney has announced he's forming what he calls a fair deal panel. It will look into a range of issues from the potential of a provincial police force to replace the RCMP to provincial revenue agency and even Alberta's own constitution. The panel is made up of nine members, including three MLAs, Reform Party founder Preston Manning and Stephen Lougheed, the son of late Premier Peter Lougheed. Kenny says the appointed members will consult with experts, hold town hall meetings, and do research before making recommendations. He admits referendums would have to be held for some of the proposals before they are
5: approved. I can assure Albertans that we would not make a decision uh, to establish an Alberta pension plan or an Alberta provincial police force uh, unless... The majority of Albertans were to endorse those proposals uh, in a fair and democratic referendum.
0: Kenny also announced that the province will open offices in Ottawa, Quebec and B.C. to defend Alberta's interests. NDP leader Rachel Notley calls his announcement dangerous, saying he's intentionally stoking the fires of Western alienation in order to advance his own political objectives. Fire officials in Australia say they are in uncharted territory as firefighters battle a record number of extreme bushfires. As you can see, the skies are now orange in parts of New South Wales, transforming day into night as about 90 fires burn across the region. More than 1,000 firefighters and 70 aircraft are trying to contain the flames, but conditions are expected to get worse with strong winds and no rain in the forecast. Officials say up to 17 bushfires have reached emergency levels, which is the most dangerous status.
1: Unfortunately, uh, we are in uncharted territory this afternoon. Uh, We've never seen this many fires concurrently at emergency warning alert level. And we've got 90 fires burning across New South Wales. 50 of them remain uncontained.
4: Uh, my car's packed, ready to go. I'll make a judgment call. I might be out of here in 10 minutes. I might be out of here in a half, half an hour. I'm not sure.
0: In California, firefighters say they've gained control of a small blaze that broke out in the Hollywood Hills area of Los Angeles yesterday afternoon. More than 230 fire department air and ground units responded. A massive column of thick smoke could be seen all the way from Santa Monica on the coast to the San Fernando Valley. The cause of the fire is under investigation. And a fire broke out near the Warner Brothers Studios and Griffith Park in Burbank, California. The brush fire began on the mountains above the studio lot. Everyone working at the studio was ordered out. Several helicopter crews were seen dropping flame retardant. More than 200 firefighters responded on the ground. The fire has burned more than 12 hectares in the center of Hollywood's film and television production area. In Peru, government officials, locals and children released about 6,000 turtles into a river on Friday. The yellow-spotted river turtle has become vulnerable due to poaching and other human activities. Thousands of eggs were incubated by environmental authorities in August in order to carry out the mass release. How anything you have on your cell phone can be accessed, used, and passed along without you even knowing it. How to protect yourself and all of your private information right after the forecast. But first, Check this out. A Florida man is suing pop superstar Madonna for changing the start time of an upcoming concert. Nate Hollander has filed a class action lawsuit against Madonna and concert promoter Live Nation. He claims he spent more than $1,000 for three tickets for Madonna's Miami concert next month. But then Live Nation changed the start time of the show from 8.30 to 10.30 p.m., Hollander says that makes it too late for him to attend and Live Nation has refused to give him a refund. He's suing for breach of contract and negligent misrepresentation. So far, no response from Madonna or Live Nation. But at last night's Vegas concert on her Madonna X tour, Madonna said on stage a queen is never late. Yvonne, um, I think I think that's not true.
9: (laughs) She's showing up two hours late for a concert she's letting people know so it's different giving than them advanced warning being, yes, yes advanced warning so but after they purchase their tickets yes that's the tough part yeah. so i'd figure they just give him the refund that'd be nice call it a day that'd be nice yeah we'll <laughs> or move it earlier just for him Yeah, beautiful shot. A great shot of the boats overlooking English Bay. It's dry out there, great news. I've got your Remembrance Day forecast, especially for the morning tomorrow in just a moment. We're sitting at 7 with the northwesterly wind, and winds are light this evening at 7 kilometres per hour. We got into the double digits, 11 is the high today. The average for this time of the year sits at 9 degrees. We have seen a few double digits across the province in the interior, but we've got cool air still working its way in. For the interior, the piece today only getting up to minus 6 and a nice break from all the snowfall that we were seeing yesterday. Now, we've got a weather maker that is going to push in. The following areas, a freezing rain warning has been issued. I'll have more in just a moment. But what we are tracking is this system pushing in Warm front bringing rain across coastal sections. It'll develop as early as the morning hours, most of it even pushing in overnight. And then towards the afternoon, here's the instability and risk that we are tracking inland and across the central interior. The potential is there to see the risk of freezing rain. It'll continue across the central interior tomorrow evening and even in towards Tuesday morning. The bulk of the moisture is going to move across the south coast and that'll be for our Tuesday morning. What we are seeing is cool air right along the surface, that warm front Moving in, the following spots, the concern, a freezing rain warning for Bulkley Valley and the lakes, north coast inland, Stuart and Echako, and then a special weather statement for 100 Mile, Caribou, Chocolton, and Prince George. And the following areas below is where we'll see it Monday evening and even continuing towards Tuesday morning. So stay tuned, especially for tomorrow morning. Mark will be here and we'll outline exactly what we can anticipate for Remembrance Day. Now the piece tomorrow, we'll see a nice dry day through the day. Windy conditions, gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. And the risk of freezing rain could pop in, but it'll be towards the evening. Very chilly for Whitehorse. Bundle up for Remembrance Day. The wind chill for the morning hours at minus 27 and then bumping up to minus 18 through the day. Coastal sections, rain along the coast. It's inland, terrace, Stewart, Smithers, all included. Risk of freezing rain popping up for the afternoon and continuing for the evening. Caribou and central interior, it'll be late in the day. Risk of freezing rain and ice pellets. And then for the early morning hours on Tuesday before we start to see a break. And temperatures will warm up, especially by the surface. Columbia and Kootenai, dry for Remembrance Day. Wind chill for the morning hours at minus 6. Partly cloudy for the afternoon. And the thompson Okanagan, a dry day, mainly cloudy. A chance to see some snow mixed with rain just for the early morning hours on Tuesday and then dissipating on Wednesday. Whistler, mainly cloudy sky. Dry conditions and temperatures at 8. And along the island and much of the south coast, we have some morning fog patches dissipating. It'll be dry for Remembrance Day, especially for the morning. Hours and then towards the evening is when we'll see the potential for some showers popping up. So the forecast for the morning fog, breaks for the afternoon, late evening and overnight is when we'll start to see some showers. So great news for Remembrance Day. Temperatures by the afternoon will get into the double digits with 11 degrees. Blip in the forecast so far will be Tuesday with some rainfall. Bright spot on Wednesday and unsettled for a Thursday, Friday. Colleen.
0: All right, thanks for that, Ivan. We give out our cell phone numbers to people and companies all the time, often without giving it much thought. But you're about to see just how risky that is. No longer just a talking device. Our phones are a treasure trove of data about you, your family, and your finances.
3: I'll need a phone number. Or a it's the number, number most requested would you, would you like and to? often required to do business. Please enter the 10 digit phone number. You give it out all the time, whether you're calling a company. Welcome back, Jacob. They already have my number or buying groceries. When you give your phone number to something like a rewards program at your grocery store, the discount that you get on your groceries is not free. In exchange, they are getting an incredible amount of information about you. Companies use your phone number to track everything you do. I found that out when I used my cell to call Patrick Jackson. Hi Patrick. Who makes privacy software at Disconnect in San Francisco. Hey Hey, Jake, how's it going? Yeah, good to see you. He used my number to pick a strangely familiar meeting place. I lived here when I was 24, 25. But you looked it up with just my phone number. Yeah, just your phone number. How? He just plugged my number into a couple of public websites and boom, he had really personal stuff about me, including my mom's name. It's Also your father. Um, and then you have a sister, and then a wife. Yeah, that's crazy. There's a whole industry of giant multi-billion dollar companies tying identifiers like your phone number to your information. They analyze it and sell it to other companies who then build profiles of who you are. It turns out that my phone number is basically like a homing beacon. It triggers databases all through my life. That means that anybody who has my number can find out all sorts of things about me. Things like where I go to the bank, you know, which one's my grocery store, what's my pharmacy. And not only that, but the rhythms of my life. Things like where I work, where I go to the gym, where I get my coffee. It's easy to get in and hard to get out. Any company you give a number to is probably sharing it with their partners. So the next time somebody asks for your number in a place like this, think about it first. Jake Ward, NBC News, San Francisco.
0: Okay, that's it. I'm getting rid of my phone.
9: Yeah, or change yeah. your phone number all the time that's and yeah. I never have consistency. And nobody will be able to get a <laughs> kick. No.
7: From now on, I will only be available by fax. Okay. <laughs>
0: Hasn't that been Just the case up until now? Anyway? Yeah,
7: it has. I'm slow to switch over, yeah. but it sounds like I made the right move. You yes.
0: did. You
7: did, as <laughs> usual. What's going on in sports? Uh, well, Canucks back at it uh, at home against New Jersey. First game of a four-game road trip earlier this season. Well, not that long ago. The Canucks were filling the net right now. They're struggling, which does happen during the season. And I uh, could only manage one again today. Lost again to the Devils. We'll I'll have mm. the highlights of that coming up. CFL playoffs, NFL, MLS Cup. Really busy day. Today.
0: Busy, busy day. Start it with a bit of sad news. Yeah,
7: some sad news. Jacob Markstrom, who visited his uh, his dad, ailing Dad, in Sweden a couple weeks ago, left the team for a while. He tweeted out that his dad did pass away from cancer today. And ironically, it was the Canucks fight uh, cancer day at uh, Rogers Arena. So condolences out mm-hmm. to uh, Jacob and his uh, father. Tough times right now. But. Very much We uh, will talk some hockey here. Uh, Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks offense has dried up in the past week, and accordingly they are now riding a season-high four-game losing streak. The Canucks were held to a single goal again today by the Devils, the fourth time in five games the Canucks have put up just one goal. And in the NHL... That won't get you too many wins. Chris Tanev in the lineup has played in all 17 games this season. That's a good sign, despite the fact he's been blocking a lot of shots lately. Opening minute, Devils, great chance. Jack Hughes and Taylor Hall, quick setup for Kyle Palmieri. But Jacob Markstrom, fantastic glove save there. The Devils do open the scoring on the power play. Palmieri can't convert there, but uh, Wayne Simmons with the good hands will Put it to the roof of the net, and it's one nothing Devils in just 22 seconds after that. The Devils strike one more time. The point shot deflected in by Jesper Bratt. 2-0 Devils after one. Devils goalie Mackenzie Blackwood loves playing the Canucks. Three career shotouts, two of them, versus Vancouver, including one earlier this year. Makes a nice glove save here off Josh Levo to keep it 2 nothing. Moments later, P.K. Subban will spring Taylor Hall in alone, settles it. But Markstrom, another great save to keep it a two-goal game. And that was huge because the Canucks, moments later on the power play, J.T. Miller hits Brock Besser in stride, and Besser zips the wrister past Blackwood, his eighth. Ties Miller for the team lead in goals, 2-1 after two. Third period, look at this hook on Elias Petterson. not called. Travis Green can't believe it. Later in the period, Pedersen runs Taylor Hall from behind. Hall throws himself into the boards. Hall gets the penalty for embellishment. Maybe a makeup call there. Canucks pressed hard for the tying goal, had plenty of pressure, but they can't seem to solve this Mackenzie Blackwood who beats them again. Now 4-0 in his career versus the Canucks as Vancouver drops its fourth straight, 2-1 to the Devils.
3: And the Devils...
7: You know, When you're scoring, you think you got all the answers, and when you don't, you got to search for them. But there's not a magic uh, recipe for scoring, or you never uh, get into a rut where you don't score. Our game looks very similar to when we were scoring. And the puck's just not crossing the line. I
8: feel like we're kind of trailing a lot this year. I mean, we've had some games where we came back, but I feel like we're always pushing to the end, and uh, there's really no quit in this team. It's a matter of getting that puck to go in. It's so hard to come back in the league and. Uh, Everybody defends so well, and everybody's committed to blocking shots. So, like, all this stuff on the inside is its kind of playoff hockey in the third period when you're down a goal, and it's really hard to get in there.
6: I'll
7: show you one more from the NHL. Jets and Stars from Winnipeg. Jets coming off that 4-1 win over the Canucks Friday. They were down 2-1 in the third, but they get some secondary scoring. Andrew Kopp cashes the rebound, ties it up 2-2, sends this game to overtime, and that's where the big boys take over. Mark Scheifele, long two-on-one. He can really shoot it, and he wires it home for the game winner. Jets beat the Stars 3-2 in overtime. Winnipeg now 4-0-1 in its last five. MLS Cup Final, Toronto FC in Seattle. Third time in four years they've been in the championship game. Each has a win, but both games were in Toronto. No scoring until the second half, and the Sounders strike first but they get some help kelvin leardin will fire away it was going well wide but deflects in off tfc defender justin morrow good break for seattle they lead one nil josie altidor did not start for toronto nursing a serious injury but he does come on in the 68th minute but it's seattle that add to the lead and it's a cracker off the boot of Victor Rodriguez, Some Sounders supporters loving that, over 69,000 in attendance. And then more to cheer about in the 90th, Raul Rui-Diaz wins the race, chips it over to Toronto Keeper to make it 3-0. But uh, before they can celebrate the Cup, Toronto do get a consolation goal. It's Altador with the header 3-1, but this was a day for the Sounders as they lift the MLS Cup 3-1 the final, their second title in four years. EPL showdown. Number one, Liverpool taking on defending champion Manchester City from Manfield. Man City six points back. Really needs this one, but Liverpool get the quick jump. Poor clearance by City and Fabino makes them pay with a cracker from distance. That was a missile past Claudio Bravo. One nil Liverpool and back for more. Ten minutes later, Andrew Robertson with the perfect service for Mo Salah. Power heads it in. Liverpool off and running. Just a dozen minutes in, lead two nil. And they get another fantastic goal early in the second half. Jordan Henderson with the cross. Sadio Mane with the diving header. Liverpool making a statement. A decisive 3-1 win over Manchester City. They move nine points up on City, who are now fourth in the standings. Welcome back. The Calgary Stampeders have been a fixture in the Grey Cup game of late. Three straight appearances and four of the last five. They've won a couple, but they would dearly love to make it there again this year since the CFL Championship game will be at McMahon Stadium. No host team has played in the Grey Cup game since the Rough Riders back in 2013. Frozen tundra in Calgary today. Game time temperatures minus 13. Stamps up 7-5 late second. Bo Levi Mitchell to Reggie Bagleton takes it into the end zone. Stamps up 14-8 at the half, but in the second half it was all Winnipeg. Third quarter, Bombers take their first lead. Nick Dembski Finds a big hole and races 33 yards for the touchdown. It's 15 14 Winnipeg. And then in the fourth, Zach Kalaros going deep for Darvin Adams. Perfectly delivered between defenders, and Adams is gone. Gallops all the way to the end zone. 71 yard touchdown, 25 14. And then after an interception, the Bombers bring in quarterback Chris Strevler, who is questionable to play because of a foot injury. But look at the power run to the end zone. He ran for 82 yards today on a bad foot. 35-14 Bombers win there, going to the West Final against the Rough Riders next Sunday in Regina. East semifinal, Edmonton is crossing over from the West at Montreal, taking on the Alouettes. Al's were down in the second quarter, but get a big play on special teams. Mario Alford taking this one at his own 11, starts left, then takes it right. And that's a little bit of all right. Speeding away, 99-yard kickoff return touchdown, cuts the Eskimo lead to 15 15- Thirteen, Trevor Harris had himself a game. 23 of 24 in the first half, including 20 for his first 20. This TD pass to Calvin McCarty. Harris went 36 of 39, 421 yards in the game. But the Alouettes stayed close in the final minute. They... Still had a chance to tie it up, but Vernon Adams Jr.'s pass is picked off by Josh Johnson, his third pick of the game, and the Eskimos win at 37-29. They'll meet Hamilton next week in the East Final. No crossover team has ever made it to the Gray Cup. NFL today, Rams at Pittsburgh. Seahawks uh, hoping that uh, Steelers can do them a favor. Steelers' defense was incredible today. Jared Goff hit as he throws. They ruled that a fumble. They reviewed it. It was close. But it was a fumble, returned 43 yards for the touchdown by Minka Fitzpatrick, 14-7 Steelers. Jared Goff had a tough day for the Rams, sacked four times, picked off twice, including this one in the final minute when they were driving for the winning score. Steelers dropped the Rams 17-12, L.A. just 5-4 now, two full games behind the Seahawks. Falcons and Saints from New Orleans, Atlanta 1-7, New Orleans 7-1, the Falcons were two touchdown underdogs, but someone forgot to tell them they were supposed to get walloped. Matt Ryan with the touchdown pass to Austin Hooper, made it 10-3 Atlanta. And then in the fourth, Ryan one more time to Brian Hill as the Falcons walk into the Big Easy and make it look easy. Drew Brees and the Saints held without a touchdown. 26-9 26-9 the final, Atlanta with a big upset. Panthers and Packers from Green Bay, uh, Green Bay rather, on a wintry day in Wisconsin. Aaron Jones had the hat trick today. Three rushing touchdowns, including this 13-yarder, to give the Packers a 21-10 lead. But Carolina had a chance to tie. Final play of regulation at the Packers' two-yard line. And they try to run it in with McCaffrey, but the Packers' defense stops them just short. It was close. But he did not get in, and Green Bay wins at 26, 24, uh, 16. They go to eight and two. The Panthers drop to five and four. And one more: Chiefs and Titans. Patrick Mahomes back at quarterback after missing a couple games with a knee injury, and he's such a fun player to watch. Check out the little jump pass here to get the ball over the offensive line, caught by McCole Hardman. He goes 63 yards for the touchdown. Mahomes was 36 of 50, 446 yards and three touchdowns. What a return! But Ryan. Tannehill and the Titans spoiled that return. A dramatic comeback. Under 30 seconds to play. Tannehill to Adam Humphreys for the game-winning touchdown. Tennessee stuns Kansas City 35-32. Chiefs have lost four of six and they're now just six and four. The Titans are five and five.
0: Oh, we got to tell you this. Burnaby eight rinks is no more. What? Well, no, the the (laughs) building's still there, but it has a brand new name and not everyone likes it. As part of a new business deal between Scotia Bank and Canlan Ice Sports, a rinks is now known as Scotia Barn. New signage will go up in the next few months. Canlan says the name is synonymous with old-time hockey. And while the rinks' naming rights have been sold, many hockey players and parents aren't. Um,
4: I think no. Scotia Barn. Scotia Barn. All right, are we back in Saskatchewan? That's
5: instantly
9: what I think. What? Scotia Barn? Scotia Barn. Okay. Really? What do you think of that? Why? Scotia Barn seems, I don't know, it isn't really a barn. It's like more of an ice rink.
6: Too barney. We're still going to call it eight rinks no matter what, so.
9: Well, and that's what you were saying. We're with them.
7: took them 10 years to call them. Rogers, not GM GM Place anymore. It takes a long time. People don't, you don't take kindly to change, especially in hockey. No. You're allowed to call it a barn, but you don't want to, you know, usually you don't put the, uh, you know, the corporate part into it. A barn. It'll be really catchy in about 15 years. You
0: watch. It'll start to be called the barn.
9: Just the barn. 10 years from (laughs) now. You're right. Uh, Quick word on weather. Real quick. Uh, Dry day for Remembrance Day. Uh, For tomorrow, a few morning fog patches and then the rain moves in on Tuesday. Great. Join Jordan at 11 and 10.30 tomorrow morning with Chris Galis.